Another story we've been watching this week, of course, is the Silicon Valley Bank collapsed late last week. And ever since, we've seen lots of uncertainty. I saw the markets open this morning. The Dow was down by a bunch. Not sure if it's directly tied to that, but we know bank stocks have taken some pretty big hits uh, this week all around the world. All this, um, even though, of course, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. stepped in right away, offered all kinds of reassurances that everything was fine. But, you know, we spoke with some industry experts this week that say, yeah, everything's not fine. This may be just the beginning. We're going to chat with Philip Cross, a senior fellow at the McDonald Lurie Institute. Spent 36 years at StatsCan, specializing in macroeconomics. Philip, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, we've spoken with some analysts who say, you know what, this is just the new reality. And you're in that school of thought, right, that perhaps maybe the Silicon Valley Bank situation could be just the beginning here. Why don't we start why it happened the way that it did? What happened with Silicon Valley Bank when it went down as quickly as it did for starters? And what happened there? Well, the biggest problem was uh, its balance sheet. It was holding a lot of government bonds, and those government bonds are worth a lot less. As interest rates go up, that means bond prices are going down, and banks who hold a lot of bonds, suddenly those holdings, those assets, are worth a lot less than they were. Uh, it's been estimated that something U.S. banks have lost something like 28% of the value uh, of all their bonds because of the interest rate increase this year. Uh, and then, of course, you know, once your balance sheet starts weakening, then people start uh, talking and start pulling their money. And, you know, before you know it, you got a bank run and they were gone. So uh, that's briefly what happened to that bank. But, you know, after uh, after its default, there's now concerns that there's a, a lot of regional banks in the U.S. Yeah. could be facing the same situation. And this morning, what we saw was, yes, what you saw on Wall Street was a reaction to European banks. Credit Suisse is, is down a whole bunch, but a lot of other big European banks are down 10, 20 percent this morning. So uh, there's increasing concern about contagion and, and uh, how well uh, capitalized the international banking system is. So uh, this isn't just a one-off. This is the beginning of uh, of a problem. And is it all because of the fact that um, the way that inflation was handled by some of these central banks, it was too slow, it was too behind, and that forced them to make really rapid escalation in the rates where, you know, what was a good investment with low interest is now suddenly an awful investment? Yeah. Well, a little bit that, but partly, too, that central banks didn't make it clear, didn't warn the financial system, including these banks, that there was a possibility interest rates could go up a whole a great deal. Uh, just the opposite. I mean, I have a quote in an op-ed I wrote this week for the, the National Post quoting uh, Tiff Macklin last summer as saying, don't worry, guys, uh, no problem. Interest rates are going to be lower for longer. So, um, you know, banks were sort of told by by uh, the central banks that, you know, don't worry, uh, your bonds will not go down in price anytime soon. And then, lo and behold, inflation took off, and, and interest rates went up a lot faster than central banks had thought. So, you know, but now people are now we're in a really interesting position where, on the one hand, rising inflation says we should keep raising interest rates, but on the other hand, the more we raise interest rates, the more we put some banks under pressure, and it creates financial stability problems. So. Central banks have a responsibility for both, and they, they sort of have to pick one now. Do they choose to fight inflation, or do they choose to uh, buttress 
financial stability. Uh, the problem is you, you have to choose one. You, it's really hard to choose both. So, I mean, we've heard so many statements from the Canadian government, the U.S. government, uh, all saying, you know what, we don't. It, this isn't 2008 all over again. The banking yep. system is secure. You're saying maybe it's not as secure as they're leading us to believe. Well, I think there's. it's not 2008 all over again. Let's start with that. Okay. Uh, in, in 2008, 19 of the 20 largest financial institutions in the U.S. at one point were bust or needed government uh, support, or they would have gone bust. We're nowhere near that. Um, banks are much better capitalized in the U.S., especially the big banks. There's a concern about the, the medium-sized regional banks in the U.S., because Trump relaxed the regulations for those. But the big banks in the U.S. have to be very well capitalized, just like banks in Canada are. Uh, a, a bigger question is probably the the bigger banks in Europe. There there could be a, a real problem. I don't know if, if they tightened their regulations as, as good as the American financial system did. Um, but, you know, I, at this point, there's nothing that indicates that there's going to be anything like a problem on the scale of 2008-2009. The point is, though, uh, the problem is that the economy is already a lot weaker than it was in 2008-2009. We've been fighting in- inflation. We've raised interest rates. The economy has already slowed considerably. Uh, so it's it's going to take... Uh, uh, um, it wouldn't take as much to uh, push the economy into a recession at this point. Okay, so still lots to watch then, Philip. Okay, I appreciate your analysis. Thank you very much.